There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Claire Mutimer. And I'm Susie Coulson. Welcome to Backstory Mashups. Three shorter stories, some old, some new, but with a common theme running throughout. Mashups. Yes, it's a thing. And we're going with that. Yeah. So Susie, we've been away for a while. I know, it's been a bit longer than planned, hasn't it? Do you think anyone's still listening? <laughs> Tumbleweed, probably not. But come on, let's plod on, shall we? Seriously, if you are still listening, then thanks for sticking with us. We realise it's been a bit of a long break. So if we're still in your podcast library, then we're truly honoured. We are, but we've not been twiddling our thumbs. We've been working on a new story, which will take us over a few episodes. It's something that's happening at the moment, and it's bigger than anything we've tried before. So it's going to take us a long time to pull it all together. Is this a tease? Are we drip-feeding our new project? No, I'm trying to explain what we've been up to. Anyway, we really hope that it's worth the wait when it's done. Yep, and that's going to be... (laughs) Absolutely categorically sometime in the autumn. Yep, 2019. (laughs) Yes, that's the idea. Yep, just checking. So in the meantime, we really want to stay in touch. We've been out with our trusty recorder to catch some new backstories... We've been thinking about some of the themes that crop up again and again in the stories that we've covered so far, and we thought it would be interesting to pull together a few stories, some new, some old, around those themes. There's a slight change in that we'll be putting out a new episode every fortnight for a while until our new project is ready to launch. Today we're hearing three different stories of altered states of reality. Our first contributor is Pat, otherwise known as... Mum. Yes, it's my mum. As I've mentioned before, mum has Parkinson's and one of the features of this is hallucinations. These have altered over time to the extent that they now form part of her everyday life. So here's Susie's mum to tell us how they started and how they've changed over time. I'm going to be asking you about your hallucinations. 
Right. Okay, so I'll ask questions mm. and you just say as much or as little as you want. Mm. Okay? Is that all right? Might be a deathly hush. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the first hallucination that you had, which I think was when you were back in Wales. Can you remember that one? Yes, I can, very vividly. I woke up, or half woke, and there were three people at the be- at the bottom of the bed. They were wearing what looked like Ku Klux Klan clothes, so they had pointed hats. Yeah. And I lay there and I thought, now are these real or is it my hallucination? So I thought, if when I open my, I close my eyes again, and if when I open my eyes, the door is open, the bedroom door is open, then I shall know that it's real. If the bedroom door is closed, which it always is when I'm in bed, then I'll know it's an hallucination. And to my relief, when I opened my my eyes, the door was closed. So they didn't bother me. They didn't move closer to the to me in the bed. They just disappeared. They disappeared. Yes. That's quite spooky. It was quite spooky, but fortunately I managed to reason reason with it and it was it didn't worry me then. They've never they've never really stopped, but they've never been as frequent as they are now. They're every night now. And it always involves the family. Okay. The first time I opened my eyes and I didn't know where I was. I didn't recognise the room I was in. So I opened the door and there was a corridor there with doors and I didn't know where it was or what was happening. All the hallucinations that I've had have been about the place where I'm living and the family. When I'm in bed, I'm not in bed on my own. Very rarely do I have a night's sleep when I'm on my own. It's always a member of the family that's lying in bed beside me. And I've got as far as touching with my finger and once it felt solid and that frightened me. But usually I don't touch anything and it just fades away. In fact, if I, if I switch the light on to go to the toilet, this hallucination fades away. Okay. And it can, be, it can be James, Mark and Susie, although Susie's never in bed with me. Susie's always standing in the corner, almost with her thumb stuck in her mouth. <laughs> and then when I go out to... And she... I, Last night, she, I went past her as she was she was standing on the left by the by the bike, and I was going past to the toilet. And I turned around and said, "Hello, Susie," but they never they never answer. They know I'm there because I know by the way they react, but they never answer. And was I an adult? No, you were a child. What sort of age? I ten or eleven. Okay. I'd just like to make it clear I wasn't still sucking my thumb at ten. <laughs> and the boys are what? They're about 12 or 13. Oh, okay. They're not little, little. No, they're... but sometimes they are adults. You said that there was a time when there were people in here. Not usually the adults. It's usually the children and they're, they're boisterous and they're, they're bowling about and having a good time. But when they see me... They all just fade away. About the middle of the afternoon onwards, I'm aware that my father is sitting in the chair that I sit in. Right. He doesn't make a sound. He doesn't make a movement. He just is sitting there. James was looking at me this morning with his eyes open and it was spooky. It sounds spooky. Mm. Are they frightening? 
No, they're not. Because I know, except there was one when Mike was an apparition. And Mike is your partner. Mike is my former partner who died of dementia. Yes. He was up in the lamp, the central lamp in the ceiling in the bedroom. Just his face, his head, nothing else. And he was looking down at me and he was smiling. And he said, hello, Pat. And that did spook me. I was aware that he was at the end of the bed and he turned and looked at me and he smiled. And I thought, I didn't react. I thought, what's he going to do? Is is it going to take, is this going to be, take, be taken one step further? But it didn't. And then when he was on the ceiling, he said, it's a bit like, I think I told you, it's like the, the Teletubbies where you get the, the baby and the son. Mm. It's like that. And um, he said, would you like a cup of tea? It wasn't actual words, but that's what he meant, I knew. So I didn't answer, and he, he didn't answer, and then shortly afterwards he faded away. And in fact, James was around, and I said to him, I thought I'd speak to him, so I said, James, I'm going to ask you whether you know what's going on. But of course he didn't reply, and he disappeared. I don't know whether we're progressing with it, or, well, I just have to accept it. Mm. I can't make them... I've said to them, bugger off tonight. <laughs> I thought maybe if I'm if I'm stern with them, they might take notice of me. <laughs> you can edit that one out. <laughs> I won't. I'll keep that one in. And they, but they don't bugger off. No. No, they don't. No. It's all going on. It's a whole new world. And I'd rather not have my night world. I'd rather have my blanket, um, being unaware of what's going on except sleep. I don't like this hallucination business. Susie, your mum seems to know that what she's experiencing is a hallucination. I know, it's it's strange, isn't it? I, I think it's not really that black and white because she can kind of rationalise them, but they are also incredibly real. And what was interesting for me was that sometimes she talks to the people who are appearing as hallucinations to see whether they answer back, which obviously they don't. I didn't realise that that was going on until we did the recording. Yeah, it's interesting because with Jess in our next piece, she has postpartum psychosis. And in both cases, with your mum and with her, they're fully aware it's happening. It's just they can't stop it from happening. Yeah, Okay, so do you want to tell us a bit more about this next bit? Yeah, so our next contributors are Jess and Matt. You can hear their episode in full if you scroll back through our previous backstories. Jess suffered an episode of postpartum psychosis after the birth of their son, Albert. Matt had expected things to get a bit weird when the baby was born. Let's face it, everyone tells you it's going to be like nothing you've experienced before. But there's weird and there's we need to get some help weird. Here's Jess and Matt to tell us more. It was really clear sort of a few days in that things were, seemed rather strange. Like, I was like hyper. I started to get really hyper and I started to have real pressured speech and ideas, like so many ideas. And so you were kind of aware that this wasn't right? Totally aware, yeah. This, This was the thing, like a lot of people think that when you're psychotic, it's just completely separate and and that in a way was the the more challenging part of the whole um experience was that it 
it, I was very aware. I think I was I was particularly careful at the beginning to to not overreact to something which could be part of something completely normal, right? Yeah. Because uh, you know, people had people had talked about the hormones after giving birth and how you know you go a little bit crazy and uh, and so and so I kind of was was trying as much as I could to kind of justify things like that, you know. So like going into that experience, the more I went into it, the more physical it became. It was like my body was like almost like physical version of Tourette's type thing of like spasms, really trying to massively megalomaniac, like trying to control the everything around me, every element. And and then, of course, because it was so physical, I wasn't sleeping and then I wouldn't have been able to sleep even if I'd tried. So So what happened is about two or three days in, um, we had the midwife appointments and things, and I think when we, when definitely when he realised something was going really sort of weird, was I basically locked locked myself in the room with um, Albert, my son, and wouldn't let wouldn't come down and was like, I'm not ready, he's not ready, I don't want them to see me like this. Again, all in the realms of potential possibility, like you don't want to see the midwife looking, right? You know, yeah. but this was extreme right. so I like shut him out and I was screaming at him yeah, and-, and I was just downstairs really uh, to, like to be honest she's really embarrassed because she was massively overreacting and I was I was sort of going look okay what what's what's the problem even if you're not ready to come down then just just you know let me have Albert the midwife will weigh him and then she can go so you know there was there was there was definitely definitely something wrong and the midwife said is she okay? And I was like, ah, I, I mean, I honestly, I don't know, you know. Um, and so we, we agreed that she would come back the next morning. We were checking with each other then about how Jess was. But as it turned out, when when she got here and saw Albert, she was just like, well, look, just take him to the hospital because he's got jaundice and he needs it sorted as quickly as possible. And so in a way, that that became, Jess, Jess's condition sort of became secondary. Yeah, so Albert got jaundice, and which meant we had to actually rush to hospital. Actually, it was quite... Um... You know, so he was quite bad without yeah. jaundice. But because I was in the early stages of psychosis, I, I was yeah. terrified of leaving the house. Yeah. Um, and it was like a bunker essentially already. Yeah. And so I, I had to. I knew that it was interesting because whenever it was about Albert, something in me could always make myself do it. Yeah. And then in the taxi, I was like saying to the taxi driver, "Before we go, we've all got to breathe together. We can't go unless we're all breathing together." Things like that. It was like... Mm. So at this point, Matt, your husband, must have pretty much known that something was wrong, right? Or was he still thinking, like, this is just... It was interesting because it was still just in the realms of what I might do. Because I'm quite sort of like, uh, you know, sp- spontaneous and um, gregarious and all of those sorts of things anyway. Yeah. But it was, it was definitely starting to be like, uh, this is awkward. This is a bit much. This is weird. You know, whereas normally you'd sort of check in and see that other people were playing the game with you. Yeah. There was that that element was going. Right. Um, so then we were dealing with a newborn baby in hospital with the psychosis um, wow. as almost this other person, really, that we were trying to manage. And it was really that that time in hospital was horrific. It was, it was a sort of double pronged attack uh, from from my point of view. We We took Albert in and the nurses triaged him. And our, our friend had arrived by then and, and took Jess off 
for some food to just to get her out of the way, you know, because she was, she was just the, the, st- the state that she was, was in was making it very difficult for everyone. Right. Um, and the, that was, that was when the nurses said to me, look, you know, we, we think there's something really wrong with your wife and we think that she needs to get help. Would you, uh, agree to speak to someone from, uh, the psychiatric, right. uh, department. And so I was like, wow, okay. Yes, I, I was relieved to be honest because it was yeah. like, well, it's good. It's not normal. Thank God for that. Um, and at the same time, my sister called me, and she's a she's a GP. Ah. And my mum had been with us for that first week and had sort of taken that the cue to kind of uh, go go back home via my sisters. And through my mum talking to my sister about the stuff that had been happened, uh, my sister got straight on the phone and said you know, it sounds like she needs some help. It sounds like this is what it is. It sounds like it's postpartum psychosis. So, so those, those two, those two calls, the call with my sister and the the call with the, whoever it was from the, from the psychiatric department happened pretty much one thing, one straight after another, you know? So straight away, I mean, as much, as much as I had been trying to excuse and, and pretend that there was nothing wrong, I think, I think someone objective would have just said, there is something really wrong. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Claire, this is really topical at the moment because Louis Theroux's just released a programme, hasn't he, including postpartum psychosis? Have you seen it? I know, such a copycat. Um, but yes, I have. Mothers on the Edge, it features several women and their partners at the Bethlehem Mother and Baby Unit Okay. Um, who talked so openly about different mental health issues that have been brought on by having children. Um, it's amazing, actually. People go through these experiences and then they will talk on camera. It's just incredible. It is amazing. I was, I was blown away by their honesty because it's just, you know, such a hard topic to talk about and... He was, you know, Lou was asking his usual pretty bold questions yeah. and they were they were really answering them so honestly. I was particularly struck by a woman who had gone away on a Hindu to Marbella and had stopped breastfeeding quite suddenly. I think she'd been exclusively breastfeeding um, and then 
the baby wouldn't take the bottle. So she went and this change to her hormones had brought on the most horrific postnatal depression. And she'd literally got back um, from the Hindu and rung her husband after a day with the kids and just said that you're going to have to come home. And then she'd sort of taken to her bed for two weeks. And oh, wow. this was several months after she was still suffering so badly. I felt for her so much. It was literally like she was fighting for her life. God. So, and with three very young children. Oh, God, yeah. It was really tough. So anyway, I would recommend it, though, because it, it really highlights, you know, so many different disorders and stuff, which I think, you know, we need to talk about. Okay. So our last contributor is one of our first backstories that we featured. Natasha talked to us about her experience of living with OCD, where she was plagued by intrusive thoughts. The thoughts she suffered with included the mistaken belief that she was HIV positive, a belief she lived with for many years. Here's Natasha. It is catastrophic thinking, irrational thinking, obsessional thinking. Just out of nowhere, I woke up and I thought I'm HIV positive. 2001 to 2010, I had a, I was HIV positive in my mind. And um, I lived my life for 10 years, planning funerals. I was thinking, you know, I'm going to be arrested because I know that I'm HIV positive, yet I'm still having a, you know, I'm in a relationship and, you know, sleeping with my boyfriend, knowing that I'm going to infect him. I'm going to have to tell his parents, it's all going to come out, then the newspaper's going to find out, um, my family and friends won't support me, they'll disappear, I'm going to end up in prison. Around this time, what were the voices saying? What was their role in all of this? It was a constant from uh, pretty much from when I woke up to when I went to bed. It was a constant, you're in danger, you're in danger, you're not safe, you're in danger. You, you, um, you, you have to stay very, very quiet because you're, you are so unsafe. You are not going to be able to handle things when, it, when the truth comes out. You're not going to be able to handle it. So you must, you must never tell anybody. A day would be spent obsessing. At any point did you think about going and having a test by yourself? No, no, I, I no, because I, I knew that I was on my own in it and I couldn't, I couldn't tell anybody because it would come out that I was. Very kind of like horrible voice which is like I'm all I'm doing is I'm protecting you I'm looking out for you and I'm just forewarning you and if you don't listen to me you're gonna wish you listened to me you it's like an abusive very abusive partner what you hear about that sort of like I'm keeping you safe but really you know if you don't listen to me and I won't be there for you is that an inner voice sometimes it's a voice sometimes it's a lot many voices all shouting and all kind of and it's really confusing but there's always one it's like a central voice how do you think you would have looked to somebody from the outside probably somebody who kind of like had it quite together very sort of very friendly very you know confident so it was well hidden yeah yeah that's interesting that's perhaps not what I was expecting you to say and the doctor said, you know, it sounds like you, you have OCD. And I was like, what? You, OCD is for people who 
get their cupboards in order and switch the lights on and off. I'd never heard of it. And he said, no, what you have is um, obsessive, uh, sort of intrusive thoughts. So you have obsessive compulsive thoughts. And your way of dealing with, with this is to obsessively think about the thing over and over and over again in the same way as somebody will switch on and off a light switch. So you had your diagnosis and you felt, you said you felt a huge sense of relief. Natasha received therapy and took medication, but they weren't a cure. She did, however, start to open up. She took the huge step of confiding in a friend. I, I called her and I was, I just said, I've got to talk to you about this. And I was so terrified because I'd never talked about it before. And I said, you know, I have this, you know, I think I'm HIV positive. And she's like, oh my God, what, you know, thinking that you know, it really was. And, and then she was like, oh my God, of course you're not. You you can't be, there's just no way that you can be. And it's funny because I had spent years and years and years with a voice telling me not to tell anybody and speaking to her was just like popping the bubble. I would say she really saved my life. I know one of the things you said to me previously was that the voices seemed you trusted them more than you trusted yourself. But then all of a sudden you had this friend who I'm guessing it's really important that you trusted her, that you could trust that what she was saying was true. Was there any competition there between what she was saying and the voices? Did the voices respond in any way to, to this kind of development? God, she completely silenced them. Our theme for this episode then is altered states. What's your impression, Claire, of living with an altered state of reality? Honestly, stressful scary and tiring <laughs> yeah I get that yeah they're all very different but they all feel as though they require a huge amount from the person involved just to get by and to manage I suppose we're hearing from the acute in Jess's case to the chronic as with your mum and Natasha yeah Natasha's went on for years and years and although she did get rid of her belief that she had HIV I really don't think that she would consider herself cured of the intrusive thoughts I think it's maybe more something that she manages and with mum yeah. of course you know her her um, hallucinations are part of a degenerative disease so they're an ongoing symptom that she manages and of course they may change over time. Right, time to move on to our podcast recommendation. Okay, what have you been listening to? Well, my recommendation is Personal Best. Each week brings a new story about someone who's on a sort of personal improvement journey. It's really nicely produced. It's got a great tone. It's also been going for a while, so there's a hefty back catalogue ah. to listen to if you fancy a binge. Love a binge listen. In addition to this, I've also been looking through the podcast awards and loads of new podcasts there. So I'll be making some recommendations from that list in the next few weeks. Fantastic. So we'll be back in two weeks time when we'll look at the theme of a sudden change with a story of breakup, losing a business partner and when someone you thought you knew commits the ultimate betrayal. Do tell your friends that we're back in case we've dropped out of their box and need reinstating. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. We are The Backstory Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at The Backstory Pod on Twitter. Search for The Backstory with Claire and Susie in your podcast directory.
For sponsorship opportunities, or if you'd like to take part in a show, please contact hello at thebackstorypodcast.co.uk. The Backstory Podcast is produced by Tin Shared Productions. Thank you.